Welcome to Ride Underground. You found us. This is a place where we hear from instigators who are changing the world with disruptive and emerging technologies. I'm your host, Tom Snyder, Executive Director of Riot, and welcome to the program. I'm really excited today to have Nicole Ramundo, CIO for the Town of Cary, on the program. Nicole, welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you in the virtual studio. We've worked with Town of Cary for a number of years now. Really, it's exciting. For years and years and years, Cary regularly was rated the number one place to live in America in many, many, many different polls. Now you're getting a lot more recognition in kind of what you're doing around technology and smart cities. Share how that journey got started. It's actually a little bit interesting because I, I've been at the town five years in August and it has, I will say, the most intelligent employees that work so hard to keep the service levels so incredibly high. And I was so impressed with them. And then I took a little look underneath the covers of some of the technology needs and we were a little bit behind, you know. I always share the story of my very first day there and you kind of go into that big board meeting. It's a typical big long table, the room and all the department heads are sitting around and I'm like, okay. And I look and I'm looking at the table and I'm like, why does everybody have a MiFi? I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, is there no wireless around here? I'm like, what is going on? So, you know, I think like literally that first day, that moment for me was, okay, we really need to get Carrie representing, like you just said, Tom, right? Like everybody wants to live there. It's a great place to live, to work, to play. And how do we make sure that we're meeting the needs of our community? And let's face it, the community is highly intelligent. We're surrounded by incredibly amount of technology companies in all sorts of sectors. So their, their demands are high. And so for me, it was literally that moment right there, that very first day that was like, okay, we're going to do this. I love that the attitude was, I now understand my challenge and not, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> Right, exactly. I I really did see it as that opportunity because then it became kind of exciting, like, okay, we can do this. It was interesting that it was a little bit of a challenge internally because you had, like I mentioned, such dedicated employees that really worked so hard. And this, like I said, with the service cells, but it was like, they just didn't know what they didn't know, right? So they didn't understand that with technology, we could make their work so much easier. I remember talking to, now he's the uh, deputy town manager about wireless. He's like, why would we need that? And I was like, well, Russ, I'm like, when you go home at night or weekends, I'm like, you know, you use your laptop or whatever. How do you, like, how do you work? Like, do you sit at your, your island, at the kitchen, you're on the couch, you in your office? He's like, oh, you know, sometimes on my island, you know, couch, whatever. I'm like, wow. I'm like, you must have like the longest ethernet cord ever, you know, to go. And he's like, no, I'm on my Wi-Fi at home. I'm like, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, exactly. He's like, oh. <laughs> so it was interesting wild. to get that concept of like, 
their daily lives, all the technology that we use, right? Our smart devices, the, our watches, our, you know, home Wi-Fi, and get them to start thinking about that in the workplace. Um, so there was, for me, those couple like defining moments. And I think, you know, if you asked Russ now, look back at it, he would probably just start laughing and shaking his head, like, what in the world was I thinking, you know? But they just didn't know. Like, they just didn't know what they didn't know. It's an interesting thing that I've observed in my career. This is a little bit of a tangent maybe, but I was always amazed in back in my corporate days, how many people were really, really, really good at managing budgets and schedules and projects in the workplace that then had massive you know, credit card debt and problems at home. It's like, how did sometimes the mindset between work and home not always translate? So yeah, maybe it's just something weird about how we are as humans. I don't know. Yeah. And look at it today, we're all, it's completely flip-flopped, right? Like we're all working from home, yeah. you know? And so for us and Carrie, you know, sometimes I look at it and say, well, it took a really good crisis for everybody to realize and appreciate the work that IT does, right? Because usually it's like you only hear like the internet's gone down, you know, can't get into my email. But when you can send a whole entire workforce Literally on a moment's notice, like Friday, we got a message saying, you know, Monday, take everything home, your laptops, whatever. And you can do that. I mean, you look back and you, you don't realize, I think, or maybe not realize, you don't appreciate the work that your team has done over the years, right? Like, you know, you're doing the right things to prepare for the future, but nobody expects a pandemic. And, you know, and that happened, it really, in a way, was almost a great thing for our team because everyone really appreciated the work that we had done over the years and it's invisible work most of the time right it's invisible work so yeah that, that part's been nice <laughs> yeah yeah well the best technologies always are the ones that fade into the background and and to have built something that had the kind of resilience to stand up to a pandemic um, it has to feel very satisfying yeah it's good for the yeah. team for sure so i want to dig into some of the cool technology things that you're doing in the town and also come back a little bit to where IT plays in greater things like economic development. But before we go there, help our, our audience to get to know you a, a little bit better. You know, how did you get to this space? And, and one of the things that we like to do, because this is an audio program, is, is give a visual. You know, if, if you had a chance to cast your life story uh, down the road, who, who would you want to play you in that movie? Oh, this is awesome. So I get to give everyone a visual. Oh, well, for me, this is an easy choice because... You know, I'm going to go with Gal Gadot, right? I love it. <laughs> Badass. And we're roughly the same age. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Saving the world, right? Su right? Superhero. Why not? I've seen you described as a government rebel before. Where did that come from? It came from internally where we were really trying to get the culture to shift in terms of the way that they're thinking right? And to push the boundaries. I think sometimes we're very structured, we're very siloed. And so when we started to bring groups together, and that doesn't mean technology folks, because really it's the business folks that need to bring their ideas. Technology folks can implement the tech piece. So it was that starting to think different and kind of pushing that boundary and being like, okay, let's be a government rebel. Let's do what nobody else is doing that's going to benefit not just our organization, but we want other organizations to learn from us and learn that, you know, just because you're government doesn't mean that you can't innovate and you can't operate like the best technology companies in the world. There's, who's saying that you can't, right? I think it's like in our own heads. Who's telling you that? 
So that's really where that came from. Yeah, very interesting. So Carrie probably is the first community that we worked with that I would describe what you built as you were the first like open API city. Mm-hmm. How do you provide that IT framework and the resiliency that we talked about, but something that's interoperable with other solutions? Because it would be foolish to try and do everything yourself, right? Talk about that evolution. What have you learned? What, what is your approach to technology kind of platforms as a service, if you, if you think of it from a government point of view? Sure. And you know, I think learn was the key word there, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> I think we learned a lot. When we started to think about you know, what smart cities was, and I think everybody knows that's not my favorite term, there was a lot of, for us to learn, and we leaned on partners like yourselves and universities and our vendor partners as well. And we looked at figuring out what does it mean? How does it work? And from that, we decided, I think, you know, a lot of people know we turned our campus into this sort of lab. And in doing that, we invited anyone really to come in and showcase their technology. We could test it out. And it was really a learning opportunity for us, right? So it wasn't so much about whether it was lighting controls or, you know, IoT, the pest control. It wasn't so much about that as it was, how does it all work and how's it going to all work together? I think Carrie, like everybody else, is limited resources. So that's a big thing. I had also come into an environment and learned we had a small team and had 300 applications to support at some level that weren't talking to each other. And there was, you know, a handful of applications all did the same types of work. And so I think the combination of those things and learning that it's great, these solutions, but living in a silo and not being able to share the data is never really going to get us the value that we need, right? We're looking at a singular thing and then pulling, trying to pull data out. And that, I think that was the best learning that we really came from. I mean, we learned all sorts of things about technology and sensors and don't get me wrong. We learned tons of stuff there, but it really came down to figuring out what a platform architecture looks like for the town and how do we plug and play applications in and make sure that we're harnessing that data and we're able to share it and ultimately gain whatever insights we need, right? And I think that was the biggest lesson. I think, you know, lots of people deploy really great siloed solutions and then they've got to rip and replace at the end of the day. And I don't think they're getting the value that they need, you know, if they're not looking at just capturing the data. We had a, we actually had a great example, real world example, wasn't that long ago with our stormwater sensors and the company we use, a great company, you know them well, and um, we ingest the data. So we don't need their dashboard, right? We don't, because that's another thing. We don't need a thousand dashboards. We just want that open API. And they had a hiccup with their system. So their other customers weren't able to look at the dashboard, but it didn't matter to us. We could still see everything because we we're using our own visualization tools, right? But we we're just ingesting the data. And I think you know, that's really important because had that been a moment of crisis, it wasn't, thankfully. That's really impactful if you can't see what's going on. And so, you know, the ability to make sure you've got that open APIs and you've built your platforms is really critical to the success and that's moving forward in the future. And it's good business as well, is it not, where when you remove a lot of those redundancies, you don't need to go and get more tax money to pay for these systems. You, you can pay for them through the savings 
that, that you achieve, right? Correct. I mean, one of the, I think it's great to talk about all the innovation and I'm super proud of the team that, you know, the work that the team has done and everybody in the town, because it's not just the, the technology team, but there are fundamental things that we had to do, right? And I think one of them that we've done is really made a catalog of every application, every tool that we support with a description, with what data it has, all of the information in it so that everyone in the organization can go in and look at it and be like, oh, we already have a tool that does this. Or, and for us to evaluate the six that do the same thing, right? As a path to move it on and get it on a platform. But that takes a lot of work. And I don't think a lot of companies spend that time to do that grunt work. So you kind of got to work at both ends, right? Like you want to do the innovation, but you also got to get the fundamentals correct at the beginning. So. Absolutely. If you had the opportunity, you know, are, are there areas of those fundamentals that you're still working on? Or, you know, like what's that next big hurdle that if you can lay that next part of the foundation, it unlocks a whole lot more for you? Yeah. And we are working on it fundamentally, I think, for, um, you know, many organizations is their ERP system, right? Your financials yeah. and all of that. And we are in the process of moving to a modern solution. And that's going to, unlock data a lot easily. We can get in, tap into that data, you know, whether it's our HR, financial, some of the other systems, but having a modern cloud platform, I think is going to be truly transformational and not in the way that it's, we can build cool IT things, but I think for really for all the employees that work in those systems every day, I, you know, I went through a similar processor in Raleigh and um, it's like a whole new world. And, you know, that's the crux of a lot of the data we have, right? So, yeah, yeah. Tell us, do you, do you have any interesting kind of use cases you want to share? You mentioned the stormwater. I remember a piece of, you know, you had robots in the sewers. You've had a bunch yeah. of cool stuff going on in the town. Yeah, we still have got robots in this. They're, they're in the sewers, but they're now they're back at the plants just because of COVID. And the stormwater, I, want, I would love to talk about that. I, you know, I think for us, some of the cool things were the way we adapted to COVID really quickly. So we looked at how do we service differently, meaning looking at not just IT services, but services across the organization, and how can we leverage technology to change it? And uh, for me, my viewpoint is, is we're never going back 100%. So, you know, we should figure out new ways to do business. But we looked at how do we deliver our IT services? So we know we sent everyone home. And then we, you know, you get home and the folks in the planning department that are looking at big plans of, you know, communities and big developments, it's kind of hard to look at those on their laptop <laughs> to their big monitors. So we, you know, we worked with our partners and, you know, I remember driving by, it happened to be a Target and I'm looking at folks in line and it was in the rain. And of course, I'm not very patient. So I turned around and I kept thinking to myself, it's 2020. Seriously, we don't have a queuing system. Like, there's technology everywhere. Why are we in line? You know, <laughs> you see it everywhere. Wait time, whatever, right? Signs. And so, which really changed the way we thought about things. So, it's like, why are we doing a queuing and delivery system of our services? Whether it's police records, things we need to go, um, drive up delivery service for any type of technology needs that we can come and, you know, pick it up at the curbside. So, I think. And I share that and not that it is the, 
the application that we did, which was, you know, was a retail application, really just transformed. But it is, I believe that this has given us the opportunity to completely rethink the way we do work. To me, it's this moment that is like we've been almost, in terms of innovation, been given a gift of rethinking the way we deliver services, whether it's virtual parks and recreation classes, whatever those look like today and the future, because I don't think they're going to go away. It'll be an and offering, another offering. And so I think it's a moment that provides a lot of innovation. Um, I think about the stormwater solution, which you know was near and dear to my heart. And that one, you know, is all about the regionalism for me, right? I talk a lot about technology is great, but for me, when I think about it as a citizen and as a person, it needs to value my daily life. And my daily life is, it's not in one location. (laughs) Today, a little bit more so, but it's not in one location, right? So I always share the story of, you know, my where I live and work are two different places. So I travel there. I have a kid that's in school in Raleigh and um, is actually still playing hockey. So his practices are elsewhere. So when you think about whether it's water or transportation, the way we live our lives, the benefit at the end of the day for all of us is when we have municipalities working together and it starts to grow, right? It's got to start somewhere, but then it's got to grow because that's really where you're going to get the benefit. And we know that, especially when there's any sort of national disaster, it, you know, it could care less about town, city, county, state boundaries. Absolutely. It's interesting. In our experience, we work with a lot of economic development offices and the nature of that, particularly on the government side, is that that work is bounded. You know, I can only count a job that's created inside my jurisdiction. I can't count a job that's created somewhere else. And it's a little bit of a failing, I think, because we do live our lives throughout lots of places and all of nature. And I'm going to include things like traffic and air pollution and whatever it is. I'm going to call that nature. But, you know, that that stuff doesn't care. And so you're you're absolutely right. Thinking bigger is is really important. Something that I think is, is pretty interesting is not too long ago from an, an overall responsibility for IT you now also have this responsibility for communications. Share how you think about IT maybe as a core, then lending support to economic development and to other departments. And and why was it important to bring kind of the communications piece out of this particular department? Well, I have a love for communications and marketing anyway. Um, But everything we do is on, I think about our devices, right? To me, it's a combination of technology and communication all day long, right? The use of social and video and all of those things were, they weren't necessarily in IT, right? Like a lot of the messaging and whatever may come out of a communications department. But I think it's important to be able to leverage that across the organization. It's not just, you know, IT that sends text messages or Twitter or whatever, you know, we've got our whole community and, you know, we need to leverage it. Like you talked about economic development, every department, we're really one ecosystem, right? Like we all work together. I don't care what anyone says, you know, police still needs public work. So we all need each other. So I work a lot in use cases to share that, like we all work together. And so I think it's important that um, we're able to leverage our marketing communications folks in a manner that's representation of the whole town and push out all the great things about the work that we do that benefits the town. Because when you talk about economic development, 
where does everybody go to learn, right? About a new place they're going to move to, right? They're going to check out all the social channels, maybe a website, you know, all of that. So I think that's critical to the way that we um, represent the town for sure. You talked about how COVID-19 has been a little bit of a forcing function to enable you to do some things different and and to change. And uh, as you know, we run a startup accelerator and we have greatly encouraged entrepreneurs to lean in to the opportunity that's created when you can use something else as your excuse for why you're going to do something different. What are some thoughts about the future? Like, what are some things that you, you want to continue to do differently? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a mindset, right? So it's how do you keep that mindset going? I actually have really enjoyed, we, we use Teams, but it's any collaboration tool. I have found that to be really effective for my team. And I don't know if it's because most of them are a bunch of introverts and we're forcing them on video. And so it's easier for them to collaborate behind a screen. I don't really know. (laughs) But that has been, for us, it's been really effective and it's been effective in reaching out to other departments. I'm not quite sure why. I don't know if it's physical boundaries of, you know, actual brick and mortar infrastructure. I'm not sure. So I'm trying to figure out new ways to encourage that to keep going the way that we're doing our communication and collaboration. Some of it's harder, right? With the whiteboarding stuff is a little bit harder. I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to keep that mindset going really for me more than whatever we dream up and deliver. I mean, those are always exciting, but it's that mindset that you've got to keep going. You've got to stay in that and not kind of fall back into that day to day. You know, I think it's easy to do that. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Obviously, everybody's using these video platforms a lot more, but the area that we've seen the greatest growth, or at least just my personal observation, is in the use of just shared documents. That has become part of our workflows in a much different way than it did before. Mm-hmm. Even though we still had these you know, shared documents and, and online storage and stuff, it's really kicked a higher level of usage into gear. And I, I find that to be really interesting. Again, I don't know exactly why either, but there's been a shift for sure. Yeah. So. It's kind of interesting, right? It's like some of that fundamental stuff that's always kind of been there. You're like, oh, yeah, I can leverage this now. You were forced to use it and realize, oh, it actually kind of works. So Yeah, yeah you know, it's, it's funny because you, when you talk about you're forced to use it, like you talk about instant adoption. We had sort of kind of rolled out teams. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> So it's interesting because my mind always goes back because I was, um, you know, a project manager and previously, you know, and I think about the structure of making sure you're rolling out a project and all the training and all of these things. And then you get a pandemic and you just throw something up. Everyone's like, bro, tool's great. (laughs) It's going to be interesting times. I'm glad that you have this mindset that, that you described as and earlier. We're, we're not going to go back to where things were. We're going to do some things in new ways continuously. We're going to go back and do some things in old ways. And, and there's going to be even additional new things that we haven't discovered yet. But it, it's definitely going to be an and future, I believe. Really, really exciting. Thanks for coming on the program. How do people engage you? You know, someone has an interesting technology solution. They'd love to, to meet with the town or individuals want to give some okay. feedback. What's the best way to reach out? Best way is probably Twitter, LinkedIn, email. I mean, it's all out there. It's a great thing about being a um, public sector employee. Your phone number is wide open for (laughs) 
to call and your email. Fantastic. Well, we won't announce it here. Uh, you know, we'll let people do that little bit of research on who you are first as a filter function. But uh, thanks, Nicole, for coming on the program. It's been great talking to you, and I look forward to having you back again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hi, y'all. Caroline Griffin here, dropping in to say thanks for listening. And if you have any questions for Riot, send me a note. You may reach me at caroline at riot.org. This Riot Underground podcast is created and produced by Riot Studios with music by Scott Jackson. Riot is a nonprofit focused on economic development through the Internet of Things or IoT. We produce events, conferences, and educational courses around the world. And we run an early stage startup accelerator out of Riot Labs in Raleigh, North Carolina. Our nonprofit also operates a wireless test and certification facility under the Wireless Research Center brand. Learn how to engage by visiting us at riot.org.